0: forward slash the fighting cock to get started and to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for
2: you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when
1: you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
2: switch today and see all the ways you could save it's easy simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today
3: this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
2: geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car truck motorcycle boat and rv even help with homeowners or renters coverage
3: fight in it's
1: the fight, fight in it's the fight in it's the fight in
4: cock a camo t and welcome to the fighting cock it's uh series eleven episode forty seven uh big John Bass in for Flav. Um, which you could probably tell that because I actually knew what series it was and what episode it was. So uh, nice. that's a good start. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Thelonious Filth. T, how are you? Mate? Nope.
5: Not bad, not bad. Afterglow of the wind, so still bad.
4: Exactly. Still still standing in the rays of sunshine after a glorious win. Uh, also joined by Cal. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, man. Notorious the Pod Takeover.
4: Yeah. It's <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but actually it's true. Um, So for the next hour, we're going to be discussing some of the unknown albums from the 1992 era of hip-hop. No, we are going to be talking about the wonderful world of Tottenham Hotspur's glorious 3-2 victory, with goals from Harry Kane uh, and Kulisewski over plastic scum Manchester City. Uh, T, where where did you watch the game, mate?
5: Um, Half watched it um, with my brother and listen to some of the second half on the radio, driving back to our missus's, and missed um, the Kane first goal, and watched the rest of it sat alone in the bedroom, just screaming by myself.
4: <laughs> just, it's literally like an insane asylum, just a, just a man screaming. Your neighbours must have just been like, what the fuck is up with this guy?
5: Well, just, it's um... a bit like um, during COVID, they televised every game, so you can't attend a game, you can't go to a mate's house, so just have a throwback to that really.
4: Yeah, it's uh, in some ways that's it's quite nice, right? Because you can just let go. You don't have any uh, inhibitions. When I watch it with Re, my other half, she she judges me quite badly. Um, she tells me to shush and like shut up, and I like try to ignore her as best I can. But it's actually quite. She's basically like a live-in var, like she's a buzz killer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going nuts. And then, <laughs> I'm going nuts, and then she's like, "Oh, maybe it'll be offside." Just calm down. I'm like, "All right, I'm trying to enjoy this." Well, wow. um, So, yeah, it's, it's quite bad. Um, Cal, how about you, mate? Where did you watch the game?
1: Yeah, I missed the first goal. I was listening to it in my cousin's car. We was on the way back from seeing a mate, and uh, his little boy was asleep in the back, so I couldn't go batshit mental. So I did, like, the Spanish goal celebration. You know, when we you know in the Spanish crowd, they don't go, yeah, they go, oh. So that's why I did. that. to do a little quiet Spanish oh, to myself when Kuliszewski scored. Um. And for me, like the most painful bit was that last was after the the winner and the excessive amount of time that the referee added on. Uh, I was screaming so much that my brother texted me, "You lost your voice yet, mate?" <laughs>
4: <laughs> to be fair, it, that was one of those moments where, and we, weirdly, we've had a, We've had a couple this season, like the the Leicester one, obviously, where that like level of excitement then we've had like this gap in the middle and I saw like some memes going around about like the Godfather, like just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Right. And that's, that's what this game was like to me. Uh, yeah. And I completely fucking lost it um, with the final winner that went in. Um, let's, let's just quickly like take a step back right? we'll obviously get to the, the joy and ecstasy of, uh, of the winner and how the, the sort of the final, I was going to say final few minutes, but it was a fucking age uh, in the second half. But let's let's just go back to the beginning of the game first of all. So when you saw the lineup T, uh, how did you feel about it? Obviously Dyer being back in. How, how were you feeling going into this game?
5: Well it was like um you know on one hand we had um we had Dyer back but um then Region had COVID so that was a bit of an annoyance. We had Cessignon who he did all right to be fair. Um the two new signings were starting again but I think the biggest um most noteworthy thing was um, was was Eric Dyer being back, and um, he he made a massive difference. Um, Winks was the one to miss out. Um, I think it's because he's just terrible against teams that press. So it was a very logical lineup, and um, yeah, I came into the game thinking, well, it's it's I mean, two defeats made it not a free hit anymore. It made made it a game that we had to get something from. But I thought, well. He couldn't have really gone much better, you know. He dropped Lucas Mora for Kulisevsky. Um Winks is in there. Ben Tancor gets a start alongside Hoibier. So I thought, well, he's get, and we've got Romero back as well alongside Dyer, so we've got our best chance of getting something here.
4: Yeah, I, th- I thought, um, and Carl, get your get your view on this as well. I, I thought when I saw the lineup, having Dyer back just psychologically felt felt better. Um, you mentioned there with Winks dropping out, that, that element of being able to break up. Uh, press with passing and we've seen that Sanchez especially recently has really struggled with that so immediately I was more comfortable with that 3 of uh, Davis Dyer and uh, Romero um Cal, how did you feel about the team were you, were you confident that we could get something out of this game we've got a good record against them right so were you feeling like worried or were you feeling optimistic
1: uh yeah like you said we we do have a good record against them and I was on the pod i think it might have been last week uh... And I said, we have a good record against them. I can't remember the last time they pumped us, forgetting that they pumped us last season 3-0, which Barney <laughs> reminded me of. Barney was straight, straight in my DMs on WhatsApp. Oh, mate, they pumped us last season. Um, but uh, other than that, we do actually have a pretty good record against them. So I thought, um, you know, and and you know what? Sometimes when we get to these places, I think this this if we'd have lost, it would have been the first time we'd... Um, lost four in a row for donkey's years. And usually when we get to a point like that, we that's usually when we pull out a result, as pathetic as it sounds like. It's only when we're about to hit rock bottom that we actually turn up. And so I did think we might get something. And I was actually quite pleased to see Hojbjerg back in. I'm not his biggest fan, but we took him out of the side and we really missed him, particularly with Skip out as well. So when I saw the team, Ben Tenkor and and Hojbjerg in the middle, as well as Dyer being back, I was like, mm, okay, we got a shot here.
4: Yeah, and I feel like it's just one of those games where it's weird because there are so many other teams uh, that will just get smashed against it. And I appreciate it Buddy pulling you up about us getting <laughs> kicked by them. But generally speaking, like... Uh, if you look at the sort of, I don't know, the last eight, nine games against them, like we probably got a better, better record than most teams in the Premier League against them. I think it's only Chelsea have got a better record against them than us. So mm. we, we've we've been doing really well. So weirdly, I was like, we've just had a, a shit run of results. Like my, I guess my brain is like, oh, we're going to get smashed. But in my heart, I was kind of thinking, nah, this is this is a bit of us this game. There's, there's something to be had here. Maybe there's like a point to be had here or like a valiant defeat. But I wasn't expecting what um ultimately unfolded. However, the game the game the game started pretty, pretty well. Um I want to talk about the first goal tee. Can we just before we get get into the actual fit, Kane's reverse ball on the line for Sun is genuinely orgasmic to the point that if I had have been wanking, that would have been the moment that I actually ejaculated on the carpet. Um <laughs> and and obviously with re being var next to me um that definitely would have got ruled off um for disgusting behavior uh, uh, that first goal that first goal kind of was exactly what we needed wasn't it
5: yeah it's um it felt a bit like a boxing match where you know the favorite gets rocked in the first round and it felt hmm. felt a bit that way uh, i mean i wasn't I and mean, when son was one on one i thought oh my god son's going to fuck this one up when he passed, I thought, what the fuck are you doing? Go around him. And then when Kuliseski rolled it, I thought, is he offside? Is he offside? And then when there's a lot. Like, oh, my God, this is great. But then um, for the next um, 15, 20 minutes, it felt like we were just getting absolutely pummeled. It might have been my nerves just not analysing the game properly. But it just felt like they just had so much of the ball. And Cancelo was an absolute magician. One of my favourite footballers and he was just putting on the clinic against Emerson Royale for the first half hour at least and I just thought, well, this could be an absolute shelleck in here. But but we held firm. But um it was lovely that Kulisewski got the goal. Um they vindicated him starting. Um he he um he does split opinion among among the fan base, but thinking. I mean, I'm probably gonna revert to this every time I <laughs> I talk about him, but the Athletic article just shows that he's a very intelligent footballer. He watches a lot of football, analyses how you know, how players play. And um, I think he just had the presence of mind to just be there with Sonny. Because he could have just let, left Sonny to it. You know what I mean? But he was there to just pick up the pieces and he was there to, to slot home.
4: Yeah. I, I also, I feel like everyone said the same thing. Like when Son broke through, probably like either shoot. Then when he got a bit closer, he was like, go around him. Then when he laid it off, I think ev- everyone was like, oh, fuck, he's fucked it. Um, Cal, how did you feel about when that ball was getting laid back to Kulisevsky and Diaz was on the block? Wh- what was going through
1: your mind, mate? So I heard it in the car. So all I heard is, Kulisevsky scored. And then I did the Spanish. <gasps> but then I watched it. I watched, obviously watched the, watched the replay afterwards. And, yeah, you feel that kind of same anxiety when Suns one-on-one with the goalkeeper. i like, oh, you can't shoot. Oh, go round him. And then, fuck me, how calm was Kulisevsky? It was yeah. just like, yeah, just pass it through his legs. Yep, yeah, it didn't even really celebrate that much. It was just like, yeah, through the legs. Yep. Yeah, oh, this is all right. This Premier League, in it, I thought this was going to be hard. Like, these are the champions, bunch of mugs. Uh, it was just not. he was just like, yep, yeah, that's fine. Four minutes in, one nil. Go away at the champions. Lovely, jubbly. It was just, yeah, so calm. Lovely little finish. Son looks like he's got his groove back. He was. I thought he was really good on Saturday. Um, and Kane, it's like Kane borrowed um, Gareth Bale's left foot on Saturday he was using that left foot constantly he was pinging 50-yard 50 50-yard 50 balls with his left foot he was just unreal um but yeah it was it was good to get the goal because against a team like City you need that cushion you need it because you know they're going to come at you you know they're going to batter you for periods of the game um and T's right Emerson was getting absolutely filled in for about 40 minutes and Kulisevsky was having to come back and cover for him constantly. Um, but then after in the, after about 40 minutes, he seemed to relax. Um, it was actually after they equalised. He seemed to relax after that. And I actually thought he was quite good until he was taken off. I
5: mean, yeah. to be fair, the, the the triangle of death are broken up, which is um, Sanchez, Royal and um, Lucas Mora. So that's <laughs> probably why it kind of worked out in the end.
4: Yeah, that's a, a really good point about um, Kulisevsky, because he actually... He obviously uh, scored and created that uh, Kane goal, but and his general attacking play was brilliant. I thought he was he played really well, but his his defensive work was great. Like he really was supporting well and like getting back and doing the miles, and like you can see why, like he could be a really good player in this Conte system. Also, I just feel like we um we've been lacking technically gifted players. Like we just we have a lot of like cloggy, awkward footballers. And Kuleszewski's touch and passing is just is just like a lot better than a lot of the players in our squad. So I think he he'll also help just from a, like a ball retention point of view. And there were so many there were so many times when he just I just think he just didn't really give the ball away much. I didn't I haven't really checked the stats because I'm not a stats nonce, but um, mm. I felt like he was just very composed and just very good on the ball and technically. I'd rather have a lot more technically gifted players in the squad, so it's nice that we've um, that we've added him. He took it his- really well. Yeah, he was really calm, and it was uh, it was nice to see. So we go one 0 up, and then, as T said, the onslaught began. Uh, it was a little bit fucking uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, just digging in and getting the shit kicked out of us for the next fifteen twenty minutes, uh, and then we, we had the um, the misfortune of about th- sort of thirty minutes in ish. Hugo uh, making a bit of a stinker um, and mm. spilling one at the feet of Gundogan, who then slotted it um, to equalise. How were you feeling when that went in, T? Because to me, I was a little bit like, ah, this, we fucked it now. Like we, we had to basically get to half time uh, and we didn't. We conceded and it was a shit goal. So what did you, what did you think when um, Hugo spilt that one, mate?
5: I hated him so much in that <laughs> moment. I really, really hated him. Like, I don't know if you guys remember during COVID and there's like the occasional person in the crowd over there where uh, somebody works for the club. But if I was an employee of Tottenham and he did that, oh my God, you'd have just seen me go down the steps, just be screaming my head off at him. Because, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a team effort and we were expending a lot of energy chasing after the ball. And it's just important that everyone keeps their head. And the fact he's done that is just just kind of um killed a lot of the you know a lot of the hard work we'd done in keeping them at bay. Um you know, Dyer and Romero were doing well. I mean I think as Carl um alluded to, we were keeping them at bay. I mean they're all over us but we were still we I wouldn't say we were uncomfortable, but I think we were keeping them at bay. And that goal gave them something to hold on to and um it was just so, so annoying and just so avoidable. He's making he's making these mistakes but then after that mistake he put on he had a great game after that. Um, it felt like um, a bunch of players just needed something bad to happen to him personally or as a team, <laughs> and to kind of wake <laughs> up. You know, it's like Emerson Royale got a pasting. He improved, and um, and Hugo Lloris improved a lot after that mistake.
4: Yeah, it's a bit like in um Simpsons when I think like Mo gets punched and then his face goes like handsome and then he gets punched again and it goes <laughs> ugly and it was like every time every time they got punched and they got good looking they're like oh fucking hell i'm actually quite good and they'd play quite well for a bit and then they'd, they'd get rinsed and go back to being shit um yeah Hugh, Hugh, hugo's fuck up for the first goal it's been a couple of little mistakes isn't there from him recently cal um mm. but he, he did recover didn't he he pulled off as t said a couple of unbelievable saves in the second half
1: Mm, yeah and yeah he did he he had he made one really really good save because he looked slightly unsighted for that one as well and then one hit the post but other than that i don't remember them kind of peppering our goal too much even in the second half unless i've you know i've got rose tinted glasses on and they they had loads more shots on target than i remember um but yeah he, he had a shocker against wolves last week he was really bad um but i don't think it's you know, a coincidence that you play Romero on that right instead of Sanchez, and you play Dyer in the middle instead of Romero, and it's it's a completely different defensive unit. And looking at the end of the game, the two goals we conceded were that and a penalty, which was could say it was soft. Um, I can see why they gave it, but yeah. So I think I think that save, and I think that second half performance and the win will actually be really good for Hugo. Hopefully, he can put that Wolves performance behind him now and put the. The, you know the the kind of the flat for the first city goal behind him as well, and we can just kind of move on. And we can see Hugo back get back to the to the goalkeeper that he is,
4: yeah, and I think you're right, like it's one of those things is if he if it was the other way around right, if he made some crucial saves and uh like started the game off fairly solid, but when it mattered, he faltered and fucked it, and that that to me is much more worrying than making a mistake early, and then the rest of the game going right, that's it now I'm gonna perform at a better level. Um, so, yeah, look, it's not great to see a keeper make mistakes, especially like kind of back-to-back games or in a, like a short period. But he's still doing what he does. I mean, a lot of keepers will make that mistake. Not many would have saved that goal. That was fucking mental, that save. So that's what, what we
5: else get with is, Hugo. What, is, what else is good is that we have another away game fairly quickly. So um, I find at home he can be a bit tentative. I mean, there's that stat that's doing around that... Um, Unbeaten outside of London, and there's something in that. In that, um, when we concede a goal at at home, we do chant common new Spurs, but then there's the booing that happens at half time and at full time if we lose a game. But away from home, the fans are invested in backing the team. So we've got another away game in a couple of days against Burnley, and we should be bringing good numbers for that. And hopefully, it'll be another good atmosphere and another great night for Spurs. Um, There was I mean, I think it was Bardi that said um, God is getting name checks all over the shop in this pod. <laughs> but um, he mentioned that maybe the Leicester, um, the the Bergvain papered over some cracks because um, we were getting smashed for most of that game, and we just did a smash and grab. But on Saturday's game, that wasn't a smash and grab. We were just um, we were just tactically perfect. I'd say.
4: Yeah, I, mean, I think that's a that's a really important point, right? I think we all got a little bit carried away with Leicester. And rightly so, right? You can't, you've can't. got to enjoy those moments. That's literally what the best thing about football is, like last-minute yeah. winners and smash and crack. You've got to enjoy it. But I think there was a, self, uh, a false sense of like, oh, okay, this is the result that's now going to propel us on and we're going to be the best side in the league. And it's the same with this result. Fuck me, let's enjoy it. All I've been doing is relentlessly retweeting, liking stuff on Twitter. I've watched all the content. I've watched match of the day twice. Like I'm fully invested. However, this time round, I've also got like a bit more of a guard up in terms of like what we can achieve this season and like the next few few games and stuff like that. My expectations are a little bit more balanced through um, where we are. And I think yeah, you're right. Maybe there, there's the expectation element of when we play at home that we we expect a lot more. And actually, it probably won't do us a bad thing to just have a couple of away games and pick up some good results, hopefully. Um, Cal touched on earlier, but I just want to talk about Kane's performance. Um, I tweeted after the game. I think that might have been the best, if not one of the best, uh, individual performances I've I've ever seen in the Premier League. Um, He had everything, like absolutely everything. I mean, I know people talk about it a lot, but like, is, like, just winning headers in in his own defensive half, right? Does that, there's basics, right? He was playing balls, 30, 40-yard pings, like said, with his with his left peg, right peg, balls around the corner. He was holding the ball up. He was winning fouls, he scores, scores a couple of, like, goals in the game and another one disallowed. He was absolutely imperious, and they shat themselves and did not know what the fuck to do with him. Um... Hey, where does where does that performance genuinely where does that performance rank in like Harry Kane's Spurs career? Because that has got to be up there, hasn't it?
5: Yeah, definitely top three. Um, that's his best performance under Conte. Clearly, um, under Mourinho, he had those performances a lot of the time, whereby he was dropping deep and playing sun in. The problem with Mourinho was that there wasn't a, there wasn't a variation in, in the tactics. So, what they'd do, they'd have a defensive midfielder just to sit on Kane, so he wouldn't be able to. Tipping those passes around so um, and also what else is quite interesting is that I mean obviously Chelsea are a massive team per se in the, in the scheme of the Premier League but Liverpool and Man City we pulled out two big performances and it shows that Conte can kind of um, you know can prepare us against the bigger teams I think today's I think Saturday performance was very very important for Kane because he hadn't scored in a couple of games and there's those whispers of you know maybe is he has he still got city on his mind is he is he past it but Kane will always be Kane. Um, I mean I guess the most important question here is um is is he forgiven Carl do you do you forgive him
1: <sighs> I I love him again do you know what I was I was <laughs> I, I, say I, I love him really and... awful <laughs> <laughs> no it's normally me it'd be on Brad saying so no I hate him. Get him out of my club. But do you know what? I saw the... They did the interview afterwards on Sky Sports and it was him and Sonny. And they both just stood there together, grinning, like, big, massive, cheesy grins at the camera. And then they looked at each other, grinning at each other. I was like, fuck, I love you too." And Harry Kane, the way he celebrated the winner, like, proper fucking... It, it, and he loved it. He loved scoring the winner. He loved winning the game. He went straight over to the away fans afterwards. I was like, you cunt. I fucking love you again now. Why have you done this? Um, yeah, yeah, like I, I, yeah. I was ho- what well, I was kind of waiting for him to smash a couple past the scum and win us that game, and that would cement it. But I think I'm already there. i Don't know about what you guys think.
5: Want Um Yeah, it's very, very much well on the way to forgiveness, but um, the pragmatic side of me is just thinking, let's just wait till. The transfer window. The summer transfer window shuts to see how I feel because um, I've got a feeling that he, if we don't make top four, it could be a bit peak and he might just walk out anyway. But
2: uh.
5: after that performance, I was I was madly in love with him and um, he's and I think this is probably the first time in his career that his, his professionalism has been questioned. You know, the very bad start to the season. He's only, he's only got about seven league se- goals this season so far, maybe nine single figures and these are low figures for him but um one thing he's always been it has been very consistent doesn't have droughts a bit like Cristiano Ronaldo really so uh, hopefully that game acts, acts as a springboard because um after the Liverpool game um we what I think we beat West Ham I beat Palace, but then we had a with a couple of dodgy results after that. So this kind. Hopefully Conte is um, you know, keeping the equilibrium among the players. Some, something that Conte says a lot is that um the emotional side of our squad is very, very fragile. And um that was on my mind when they equalised the Amares penalty. Thinking, oh my god, there's a there's a small chance we could throw this because Conte said that we were emotional and we didn't, so Oh, it's just I'm just, there's so much shit to say about Saturday. I'm still buzzing, man.
4: Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had a question from Jackson Harefield who said, how many more high-level performances like Saturday before he's one of our own rings out across the ground for Harry Kane? Feels like we're close. I think what Cal said is spot on. Cowards not turning up to that game is a shame. But actually, for, for Kane's love to be back at the lane, it could work out perfectly because if he does end up scoring the winner against those mugs, uh, that, will be, I think, the moment that the chorus of He's One of Our Own will ring out around the ground. I think that's when it will happen. I'm pretty close and I agree with Cal, just seeing the sort of like interaction with with him and son and then them like getting that record or like equaling that record. Um you kind of for me anyway, it's this like I want him to fall back in love with us as much as I want to fall back in love with him. And that felt like a moment that he might go, Fucking hell, I love this club. This is why this is why I've stayed for this long. And actually, it does mean more here. Like I could go to City and just fucking win. But who gives a shit about that? Where I could stay here and do something special. And it felt like a long time of this season, he's been, especially the first half, he, he was going through the motions. I personally felt like that. And it was like he's playing, but he's playing because he's a professional, and he's realised he just needs to knuckle down and play either way. Felt like this game particularly felt like he he was enjoying it, and he was enjoying playing for the club and playing for the fans. And you mentioned it earlier about the away support, and I know it's like it's a fairly obvious thing. I don't want to seem like we're pandering, but I thought the, the away support were absolutely, and they have been all season, absolutely magnificent. At times, like when you watch that game, you you think that was a Spurs home game. They were so much louder. And I know that City's fan base get trolled, rightly so, for being pathetic, which they are. Um, they are. But when Kane scored the winner and was running running to our away support, that was that was a bit of a moment for me where I was like wobbled. When I was like, oh, I don't want to call him Snake anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's not a snake. Fuck. <laughs> um, I mean, he, there'll always be something that he took away from my love for him. That that will always be gone there. Uh, can mm. I like fall back in love with him? Yeah, will it be to the same level? Maybe not, but I can definitely see myself falling back in love with him. And if he carries on playing like that, fuck me, it's not going to take very long, is it? Um. All right. Let's let's talk, let's talk about that mad last. I don't, I I sort of lost track of time because the last. I think it was like the last twenty minutes were fucking mental. Um. So, I, again, I can't remember like the order of these things happening, but essentially like. Scores on the. I'm just looking at it here. 59th minute.
3: Mm.
4: And we we can do we score to make it three one, and then it's disallowed yeah. by VAR, right? Yeah. And Correct. then they get a penalty at 90 90 minutes plus two with seven minutes of injury time on the clock. Mm. We then kick off and then play for a few more minutes, like three more minutes, and then. K- Kulisewski whips in a ball and Kane scores to make it 3-2 Um, that whole like 20 minute spell or whatever it was was some of the most dramatic mental football I've ever experienced how did that how did that feel for you T in that moment of of that like back and forth of disallowed goals then they get a penalty then we end up winning it just
5: just fucking Spurs as is- Fucking weird, weird, weird club. It's just so, so bizarre. I mean, um, when I saw the handball, it was it was a nail on pen. Um, yeah. it's not. I I can't call it a soft pen because he's Andrew in an unnatural position, and you're not going to get away with that when VAR is in, involved. So, I was I was just having the, you know, um, I was just having a conversation to myself, saying, well, I've taken a draw anyway. It's fine. But then. A minute after, I was like, fuck off, fuck off. Why have we fucking won this? It's like going for all this plethora of emotions <laughs> in my head. So then um, I see um Kuliseski's like one-on-one with Cancelo. And he almost shows him to his left, which is very weird. Surely you just yeah. force him out to, you know, see the game out. So that was bizarre from Cancelo. Then the cross goes in and it's, it's like it just all happened in, in slow motion when um when Kane leaps up above Carl Walker and it goes in. And I thought... Why didn't Edison move? Why didn't he try and claim the cross? Is there something wrong here? And that's what VAR's done to my head. But then all this is happening within a split second. And then I'm thinking, fuck, I'm going to celebrate this goal anyway. And <laughs> oh, it's just, it just absolutely <laughs> glorious, you know. I mean, I think every Spurs fan says fucking yes over and over again. And he's when something nice happened, and that was me just sitting in my room by myself saying fucking yes fucking have that it was it 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 was beautiful and um just seeing kane wheel away in celebration and it it, it was wonderful because um as i said it's just been such a stressful week there was the conte interview with Sky Mm -hmm. Italia, and the the, uh, the media lapping it up and the fans saying oh he's gonna definitely leave us and got all the defeats in a row and Sure, if Eric Dyer is going to make it back, it was just a very, very intense, very tough week to be a Spurs fan, you know. And um, it was just an outpouring of emotion at the end of that game. It wasn't just, it wasn't that we beat City away. I think that's probably the first time we've beaten them away in seven years, I guess. Um, so, you know, that was that's massive in and of itself. But uh, it was just such an intense week because I'm thinking. Where we going this season? We we're talking about fourth place before we had those two home games and it seemed so far away. And um after the game they talked about the title race. I had no idea how far away Liverpool were from City. I was just focused on what mm-hmm. we were doing and and when that ball went in the back of the net I just thought, God, this is just after the week we've had as Spurs fans, it's just such a beautiful thing to see it was it was
4: absolutely glorious and how about you Cal how did you um that like roller coaster of emotions how um how did you cope with that
1: not well if I'm honest <laughs> I uh, <laughs> not well at all like we we obviously the the third the third goal initially not that not the actual winner but the kind of the ghost goal got ruled out and I celebrated that like fucking yes and then it got ruled out and so when the actual winner went in I just kind of sat there I didn't move I was like, oh yeah, but it's because Vars, like T said, VARs has kind of done that to us. It's it's kind of when something like that happens in a game, it does kind of stop you from being completely in it, being completely just free of any concern when a goal goes in. And so I didn't move and it was only when they showed the replay and I could see Kulisevsky was on side, I was like yes and even then i didn't properly celebrate and then it felt like i think anthony taylor was the ref we got to the hundredth minute we got to the hundredth minute and i was screaming at tv you fucking cheat again and again and again because <laughs> it felt like it felt like he was giving them everything and there was uh the brain i think he, he pushed over royale Roy thought that's a yellow card Hoy bio. He was clipped and stopped from from a break, and I thought that's yellow card, and neither of it happened. I was just fucking angry <laughs> until the final whistle, and then I was like, yes, yes, we fire one um But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, like T said, like you said, John, you have to enjoy these moments. Yes, it's just one game. Yes, it's just three points, but that's what football's about, man. It's about going to go into these grounds where we're not supposed to win, where nobody really wants us to win, other than us. And going there and doing it. And you can see why I just watched Conte Cam before, um, before we started recording. That's such good viewing. He the difference between him and Nuno is chalk and cheese. He is everywhere. He is kicking every ball. You can see he's really got an affection for the players. When the winner runs in, he runs in. He runs into the bench and hugs <laughs> Joe Roden of all people. It's so mad. He wraps his arms around. And Joe Roden's like, yeah, like they're proper. These got the players have bought in. Like they have, and Kane particularly. He needs to play for a big dog manager like Conte or even Jose. I don't. I often don't blame him for not turning up at the start of the season because he's playing for that fucking drip, Nuno. I wouldn't play for him either. Um, or, or someone like fucking Graham Potter, that nerd. Just got tumped up by Aaron Lennon. Aaron Lennon's been doing bits since Candy Shop was in the charts, and look at him, he's just tumped up Graham Potter. All the stats nerds are fucking crying into their fucking Transformer pajamas. It's fucking pathetic. Oh, it was so good to see Aaron Lennon smash one in the other day. But yeah, yeah. just amazing, amazing stuff.
4: Yeah, well, the only stat I care about um, Aaron Lennon sm- smashing Graham Potter is the expected lols. Uh, and there are <laughs> fucking loads, mate. Fucking loads. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, it was such a glorious uh, end. One of the things that I've enjoyed the most is is that, our Tottenham celebrating like they won the league. <laughs> like... Sorry, I seem to remember a certain fucking disgusting cowardly club celebrating a good forty five minutes against the team they ended up losing to. So what <laughs> what wh- wind your fucking neck in, shut your mat. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut your mat. You lot down the road, wind it in. We celebrate a win because guess what? Winning games is fun and you should celebrate it, and you should celebrate the, the better the opponent and the harder the scenario, the more you should be allowed to celebrate. Don't let anyone tell you how you want to celebrate. If you want to over-the-top celebrate, fucking do it. Who gives a shit? So, yeah, that's, pro- uh, that's really – it sounds like I'm annoyed. I've actually really enjoyed that, seeing those tweets because mm. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking proper got to them, uh, mm. which is which has been great. Um, there were some weird moments. So I don't know if anyone saw this. Um, I don't know if it's been doctored because it just looks weird. The Hoiberg shaking off Conte at the end of the game. Mm. Has anyone seen that? Yes. So like Conte goes in for a hug and then it looks like Hoyberg sort of like shrugs him off and storms off and Conte looks a bit put out that was a bit bit weird and then also I don't know if anyone s- saw the fourth official like look absolutely <laughs> fucking devo when Kane scored <laughs> which again was just was beautiful to see
5: yeah, that was that was very odd I think um I think that was Craig Pawson yes. and um Apparently, he's left six of our games and they've lost five of them so okay. there might be some there might there might be something in that and um mm. as as for Hobier, I'm sure that um Conte's wishing a terminal illness on him after that
4: <laughs> yeah it was it was odd Cal. that like I don't know what the reason for that was I mean, I guess none of us know right I can only assume it was uh sort of a falling out maybe about him being dropped or something like that, would you yeah.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe, but you kind of get the impression that Conte doesn't let, he doesn't let things stew, he confronts it straight away, and he would have walked straight into that dressing room and said, what's your fucking problem, took his shirt off and said, let's have a move about right now, (laughs) and then settle it, and it's all finished with. Because um, that's the type of man he is and the type of manager he is. Yeah, I did see it. I thought it was really odd, and I did see Craig Pawson as well. He just, he, his whole body it was like his whole body just dropped. He just went, Inflated. oh, oh. and that's it. And that's what we just have to. Like, I think a lot of us fans, we we watch Sky Sports and we we read the Athletic and newspapers and things like that. And we kind of, it's nice because these guys, you know, we watch these things because they they cover football and we want them to say nice things about our team. But they're not going to because they all hate us. And that's absolutely fine. And you've got the right attitude, John. Enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that they all hate us, the the Matt Laws and the Telegraphs of this world, how much they all detest us. Because when we have moments like Saturday, we get to rub it in their grubby little faces. And seeing Craig Paulson go, Oh no. Um it was great. It was just so good. Um so yeah, What's brilliant so good? stuff.
5: Yeah, I mean it's, it was the... interesting you, you say that, Carl, about um enjoying moments because um, I think a few of our fans sang Tottenham get battered everywhere they go after we won. Um, mm. I tweeted it after we won, and I got fucking the body think I support Man City, but mm. people say, "Oh yeah, but it could backfire on us. Why are we about that?" That's that's a problem for future T. Future, you know, current T don't give a fuck about what future T's got to go through. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy this fucking moment and sing my shit and say my shit because um, you know, I might never see another Spurs game again. So if that's gonna be the last Spurs game I ever see, I'm gonna. I'm going to bask in that ring. I'm not going to say, well, if you lose against Burnley and Leeds and all that was for nothing. I don't care about that. I'll worry about that when it happens because, um, as I said, this, this has been a very tough week for everyone around Spurs and just having that happen is just um, it's a beautiful thing and I really, really hope it can be a springboard and not a false dawn as the Liverpool game earlier in the season half proved.
4: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think with that particularly with that um Totten get a battle everywhere they go, that's literally the, the purpose of us saying it is we say it enough that when it does happen and clubs sing it to us, it just doesn't have the same power. And that's exactly. like the whole idea of it is like we own it, so like when we win we sing it. And when we lose and they sing it, it's like well, who cares? Like we, we sing it to celebrate, so fuck him. Fuck 'em and fuck 'em all. Um all Right, uh, we got a question here uh from Spenny G. How much pleasure does it give you knowing Pep went home on Saturday night, put on his Antonio Conte toupee, sat on his fake dugout (laughs) seating. He he forced his wife to buy him. And imagine what it'd be like to manage the greatest striker in the world. Um, (laughs) Cal, (laughs) how how bitter do you think Pep was? Because I feel like he was fucking seething after that game. Um, (sighs) Just about Kane just completely smashing him to bits.
1: He must, not even just Kane, just Tottenham. He must fucking hate us so much. We even beat him with Nuno for fuck's sake. and Kane wasn't even in the stadium. Well, he might have been in there somewhere, but Kane wasn't even on the bench and we beat them. He must fucking hate us so much because... He's got the most richly assembled squad in the Premier League. They're breaking FFP rules left and right. They're making up companies so they can sponsor themselves. They're trying everything they can possibly do to be the most dominant club in English football. And twice a season, he sees sees Tottenham turn up, the sixth biggest club in the country who have to sell to buy, that have got players on bonus contracts. No one's on crazy, crazy money. And he goes can't beat these bastards and even if i do beat them once they'll come and beat me straight back he must fucking hate us or secretly really love to coach us but he never will because he's a fucking bald fraud and i wouldn't want him near my club um yeah so he must fucking hate us and it's great and to see yeah the guy that he really wanted but didn't want enough completely just turn him over and dominate him his whole richly assembled team he dominated that back line actually Kulisevsky as well that was one thing about Kulisevsky actually so strong on the ball what didn't let himself get bullied off the ball normally it's only Kane that's like that but it was him as well Kulisevsky's it's him as well and that he's definitely an upgrade he's looking like an upgrade on Lucas already um yeah it must really hurt poor Pep's little feelings
4: yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite enjoyable actually. Just knowing, I mean, uh, again, match a day. I, I, it was one of those throwaway lines that the commentator said and probably didn't interrogate. But going back to this whole like narrative thing, there was a moment on match of the day where they were talking about. Um, so Kane scores his goal, right? And obviously, I've, this was the second time I've, I watched it. I watched it basically back to back, and Kane bops one in, and then it's like, oh, and Kane showing Pep and Man City. Um, exactly why they they went all out for him and some in the summer and couldn't get him. And I was like, "Hang on a minute, seventy five million for the best striker in the world is not going all out for him." And then Pep, after the game, was like, "Yeah, no, we you know we we tried, but nothing." Like he sort of like shrugged it off as if to say, "Like oh, we didn't really even want him." And like it just it just stunk. Like it stunk to me of sour grapes. Like again, I hope Kane sees that and goes, "You know what?" Like, fuck those guys. Like, yeah, maybe I wanted that before. And maybe that seemed like a good move. But actually, I don't want to do that. And look, maybe that's me just being optimistic. But I I hope that's how he feels. Um, Yeah, it happens with a lot
1: of the big clubs, actually. I think clubs like Manchester City, they, and Liverpool and United, I think a lot of the so-called smaller clubs, that Man City are never a bigger club than Spurs, but just just humor me. Um, They're kind of used to, clubs opening their legs him when it's like oh yes you want to buy our best player here legs akimbo like yes go on enter like and uh levy's like no no don't want to we're not selling fuck off fuck off now you're right now you're right and you know you think about the luis diaz deal and him going to to liverpool it's like we've to work really really hard to sign players and as soon as the liverpool comes along they just go oh yes legs wide open please yes and it must really and you can see why he's so bitter about it because not only do we dominate them on the on the pitch off the pitch they can't get what they want out of us and it must really hurt his little feelings
5: yeah, absolutely yeah Pe- pepper's a bit like um didn't want to next <laughs>
4: <laughs> exactly sign you could, have signed, you could have signed harry kane but you didn't didn't want to next uh right uh i guess we'll just get into some questions um Sam THFC90 asks, would you rather two foot your kid? Sorry, would you, would you rather <laughs> Romero two foot your kid or buy an NFT monkey off John Terry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't know, i have to answer that one. This just made me laugh. Um, oh, my God. I mean, what, what, what is with all this, um, the John Terry NFT thing? It's quite weird, isn't it? Because there are a lot of players who are going into this and... I don't understand NFTs enough to know whether or not this is some sort of scam. But I do find it a little bit problematic when he's got players as monkeys on his NFT thing. And no one seems to be talking about it.
5: People have. I mean, he was trending for for about a day. Wasn't it Willian who was the monkey? Wasn't that Willian's NFT? Yes,
4: correct. Yeah. yeah. And Tammy Abraham's done one as well, hasn't he? I think Willian
5: had the and. at the NFT, that was a monkey, and John Terry must have shared it. I, I, I don't know, but um, I'd like to take the two footed because I can't, I can't, I can't have a monkey. No, <laughs> you know, I love, I love my child, but he'd have to, he'd have to suffer a bit. Well, yeah, it's it's character anyway. building.
4: yeah, exactly, it's character building, so it'd be fine. Um, I haven't got a kid, well, none that I know of. So actually, maybe that'd be quite a laugh. Imagine that it was just some random like household in uh, Doncaster. The mum opens the door, and then Romero just two foots him. He's like, "Well, who's that for?" John Bass, and she's going. Malia, 2002, what? <laughs> uh, right, uh, any other questions, boys, that you've seen that we should answer? or
5: uh,
1: I didn't see, oh, I yeah, I did have a quick question. Would, you...
4: would you rather, I'll give you some time, would you rather lick Pep's sweaty head or Grealish's sweaty calf? Uh <laughs> Fuck Pep. I do I'd fancy Grealish. Him. Yeah, I mean, Grealish shaves his legs as well. I think it'd be quite smooth. I think it'd be fairly arousing if you had your eyes closed. So I'd probably go for that.
2: Yeah, um, I agree.
4: Yeah, just it feel that feels right to me. Um so yeah, i would probably go for that one. Uh anything else, boys?
1: No, nah, I'm having a look. No, nah, I'm having a look and there's nothing that leaps out uh, as much as we appreciate the questions. Um someone's asked uh what was better Saturday uh, Saturday or Leicester.
5: Oh,
4: that's a good one.
5: Saturday bar mile. Um because um of the week that led up to it i think saturday was bigger but leicester was awesome because um i just did not see that coming i mean saturday there was we were two one up and we were playing better leicester they were smashing us for long spells and the scene and the fact that leicester fans are singing tottenham get battered everywhere they go and then we end up beating them three two was was just glorious and um i i mean move we were slightly away from the question a little bit. I think it's exciting to see what Bentancur and Kulisevsky can do for us next season. Um, mm-hmm. My initial reaction was that Bentancur didn't play well on Saturday, but the more the more footage I'm seeing, I'm realizing that I probably had a bit of a blind spot there because he played a few passes. But I think next season, could, if we do get top four, next season could be something else for us.
4: Yeah, I think I think it's it's frustrating because I don't want to be this top four is the Be all and Endor. But I do think yeah, it, it does make it it does make a big difference to the next like two or three seasons. If we can get it this year, then I think we can add like quality to the squad, which is which is missing. I actually think um Benzikor and Kulusky have been two really good additions and we got rid of some players. So the more that the time goes on, I do think actually there was pretty like net pretty good window. Mm. Um I also thought T Bensko, I was a bit like first half I was a bit like fucking hell, he's he just can't keep up with the pace of the Premier League. I was like he's he's really struggling. But actually, someone I can't remember who it was on Twitter, someone basically said like there's a moment where Benscore gets the ball and plays that ball to Kulisewski. There's actually a really simple ball on to Doherty and he chooses to like play forward given the circumstances it was quite brave. That's the sort of difference in players who've got that ability and got that that vision they can win you the game by being prepared to like play the pass before the pass, if that makes sense. So like, I think that's what we're getting with him is even when he was giving the ball away and being shut down, he kept taking it in tight areas and he was like prepared to play through the midfield. And we need that. Like we really do need that. And so I actually, yeah, again, when I watched it on match a day, I was like, fucking hell. he actually had some key moments here where he really got us going. Um, So yeah. Cool. All right, boys. I think that's that's enough. Uh, that was Whoa. great. I really enjoyed reliving um, what, a, what a glorious victory that was for us. Uh, Burnley next. We're going to smash them up. Um, easy work. So easy, easy work. Um, we're going to get battered everywhere we go. Uh, anything else to add, T? Cal, anything else from you, boys?
5: Nothing else on me, but Viva Tottenham. Viva Conte. Totally.
2: It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at Cox.com. Ask Ashley, the podcast is sponsored by Cox. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network